House of Tales by Oka. To me, beauty is very important. Aesthetics are very important, and I need that to make me feel really happy. I want my home to be comfortable, welcoming, practical in some ways. I've loved being able to help people enhance their homes through Oka because I love mine so much. And so I think it's a place where you, you feel happy and safe. For this, the penultimate episode in series one of the Oka House Hotels podcast, we've come home. To be more specific, to the charming countryside home of Oka co-founder and creative director, Sue Jones. Her and Oka's story will be forever linked to the tale of three friends who embarked on a mission to decorate a holiday home. A journey of discovery that led them in search of unique finds from the Far East, creating a lifetime of memories and experiences along the way. Sue's travels around the world have helped her to build up a style that's authentically her own and the Oka business that we know and love today. This is the Oka House of Tales podcast, and we're on a journey to meet inspirational guests, to explore our love affair with living well, and how relationships with the home are as unique as the people and their passion. So sit back, relax, and feel perfectly at home with our guest, Sue Jones. Wow, it's such a beautiful day. And this house has just got such a beautiful view over this sort of valley. It's a great setting. Let's see if Sue's home. Some lovely big wooden doors. Surprise. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Sue. Hi, Bethan. Wow. So you don't really see any of this from outside. And then you walk in and you've got this beautiful colour colonnade. Well, yeah, that was one of the most surprising things when, uh, when we first came to see the house is that we didn't know what was behind that door. Yeah. And I got to halfway up here and I said to my husband, that's it, we don't need to see anymore. Um, and, it is um, pretty beautiful. It, it's pretty amazing because it, it, this whole property was apparently a Roman staging post. It was called a mutatio, where people stopped off on the way. So it was kind of a, a sort of wimpy bar on the way. <laughs> These are 11 columns here, and nine of them are, are Roman. But obviously, the roof and everything is newer, um, and the house itself is about 1760, I think. And it was a, an old uh, pig barn. A very grand pig barn from the outset, <laughs> it looks. Should we take a step inside? Take a step inside, um, and it is a really large, uh, big room... Um, which we do everything in. There's two seating areas and uh, somewhere to eat. And we were able to make use of an extraordinary craftsman who lived locally to do all the woodwork for us. It was a delight to do, but it was a lot of work. <laughs> it's such a great room and it's so lovely to see open plan living in an historical property. What is lovely about it is that it's not a cottage, but it's not a big house. It's a big room. Mm. Uh, uh, but this is, you know, 
most of the house, if you see what I mean. Should we go and take a seat and uh, have a chat? Oh, I see uh, we already have two <laughs> two guests, or dogs, shall I say, Yeah, my two for us. Jack Russells are, uh, they rule the roost here. Sprawled on the sofa. Sprawled on the sofa. I've been known to sit on the floor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Luckily they're not huge. They're, they're neat little dogs. Neat little dogs, but they, they wanted to be involved. So this room's a little bit cosier, Sue. Um, is this where you spend a lot of time? It was a bedroom in its earlier life, but we we decided that it was a bit unprivate to be a bedroom, although it was a very sweet room. And we decided to turn it into our sort of snug, I suppose. I'm noticing an awful lot of very beautiful historical portraiture in your home. Is that you or is it your partner that collects? My, my husband is the collector. He loves paintings. We both love portraits, actually. I've, I've always loved having a lot of different figures to look at. And uh, when I was speaking to a friend of mine who's a dealer in, in, in portraiture, I always have fascinating conversations with him about how those were the way you judged how people lived you know, from their clothing, from, you know, their age, from their hairstyles. And so I've always found it absolutely fascinating. I know some people find too many eyes around them a bit off-putting. Some of these in here are, are family. For example, that picture on the wall is of my husband's mother, right. uh, a drawing. And um, so some we've collected and some are our family ones. There's some very regal ones. I'm looking particularly at that lady with the ruff round her. I have a real soft spot for Elizabethan portraiture. Um, not that I would want to have to wear that sort of clothing. It must have been incredibly restricting and uh, and hot. Uh, but I am absolutely fascinated by them. I've always... The portrait gallery in London, um, I'm always straight off to the Holbeins. It's one of my favourite eras. We're, we're pretty careful with them. We, we don't over-restore them because otherwise they tend to look rather new and, and shiny and I don't think that's right. So um, we just like to let them sit. And, and actually, my husband is very particular about not only the frames, he also does take a very long time to decide exactly where to hang it. So uh, for a long time here, there was a lot of pictures propped up because the decision hadn't been quite made yet. So I leave him do that. <laughs> so this is very cosy, and you've made it very cosy, I think. Obviously, ochre is very much a brand where you can layer lots of beautiful kind of fabrics and cushions, and that seems to be something you've definitely adopted in your home, would you say? Yes, definitely. Nobody's going to call me a minimalist. Uh, you know, I always said I'd need a great deal of therapy if I was to become a, a minimalist. But I do, what we, we like to do is is not put too much colour on the walls. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously some, and this is all lime plaster, so, you know, distemper, which is a, a bit of a nightmare to keep up, but it does mean we haven't got straight lines. Yeah. We've got lovely curved lines. 
And then we used the colour in, you know, the the carpets, the cushions, the pictures, the books, Mm -hmm. and that's where we bring the the colour in. But if you actually look, the floor and and the walls and the curtains are very neutral. Yeah. The early days of Ochre took Sue and her fellow founders on a journey of discovery to China in search of treasured finds. The unfamiliar world proved challenging at first, but ultimately they were to be charmed in unexpected and life-changing ways. Ways that still influence Sue's style and passion for interiors to this very day. You do get a sense from Oka of it very much embodying a lifestyle, which I know you sort of describe as living well. And I'd love to hear a little bit about the beginnings of it, because I know it was really the beginnings were three friends, right? Absolutely. I think with any business, well, most businesses, I can't talk for for everybody, obviously, but you don't start a business and say, we will be here in 10 years' time, or this is what will happen. You're so busy and you're so focused on every day, you don't think about that, it sort of evolves Uh, and certainly if you're lucky you're able to let it evolve Um, in the early days we really didn't have a lot of idea of where to go for inspiration we knew what we wanted to find was out there and probably not just in Europe but we we took a a slightly different route from a, a lot of people and we didn't employ a translator an agent you know someone to manage us out there we did it ourselves and it was fairly touch and go we got on an airplane and went into mainland China for most of us for the first time and to Vietnam and the Philippines and Indonesia and we we found people who had the skills we liked. What about in the early days was it hard to discover the beautiful pieces it was incredibly difficult and when I think about it now I I sort of go hot and cold with the how easy it would have been to miss things Um, we went to an enormous trade fair in China and I'll never forget there are acres and acres and acres of small booths and you can walk past something quite easily and I stopped on a stand wasn't very big. In those days, I was looking for blue and white porcelain. And he had a lot of very ordinary china on the stand. But on the top shelf, he had this tiny little dish, which I think, you know, must have been used for wasabi or something like that. And it was exquisite. It it looked an antique and it looked perfect. And I asked him where he got it. And he said, oh, he made it. And I looked so astonished. He said, yes, no, most people in the Chinese market are not particularly interested in the antique blue and white porcelain. But he said his grandfather used to um, run the factory, uh, the imperial uh, porcelain factory in Jindajen. And he said, well, you better come and see me. He said it's next door, which consisted of a three-hour flight and a four-hour drive and (laughs) an unmade road. But anyway, that's another story. We arrived and lo and behold, he was as good as his word. And he said, you choose the design and I can do anything you want. 
and all be hand-painted, all hand-finished. And I said, ah, yeah, but it won't go in a dishwasher, will it? And he said, yep, yep, and a microwave. We put in a sample order, um, and I didn't really expect anything to come of it, but three months later, the cartons arrived, and they were, they were perfect. And I, I shudder to think how easily I could have missed that. It, it, it was, you know, it was no great um, feat on my part. It was luck, actually, and um, I've, I, I think you get better at it. Mm-hmm. at it over the years and actually for me I don't really love going to Paris shows and things like that where, where, uh, that are very sophisticated because there's you've lost the sort of the fun of the search I love scrabbling around on factory floors and taking a chair leg and turning it into a candlestick or vice versa so I do love that uh, that challenge and finding things that you don't expect to find and turning them into things that you don't expect. And that obviously is the way you've kind of built up your home because you don't have one look. I mean, the whole point about Okarite is the eclecticism and the mix of influences. Could you talk a little bit about how you do that and how you build that up? I don't know how long you've lived here to sort of make it the way it is, which feels very well lived in, but also very cosmopolitan? Um, Well, I think it's lucky, and I am lucky most of the time, in that my husband and I have a similar taste. You know, he he notices everything, and he's very much a details man, and he can spend hours, A, hanging a picture, as I've mentioned, but, you know, on a lighting circuit... I didn't actually know until we moved in here that we don't actually have a light switch on the wall. <laughs> it's all done with buttons and remote and things like that. But I had no idea. And so he does all of that. And, you know, he loves the architectural side of it. Um, we do share a similar idea, but he, I, I can't just walk in here and change something. Uh, mm. he, he will walk in and he'll say, I can't see what it is yet, but something's different. <laughs> I'll find it. Uh, so, I, you know, I can't just sneak things in. He really does notice it. And I, I compare that sometimes. You know, sometimes I think, oh, it'd be really nice if I could just do what I want to do. But actually, when I compare it to, to people whose partners don't take any interest, to me, it's made our home somewhere we both love to be equally. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's our happy place. And so I appreciate the input mm. um, and the years and years of collecting things. Actually, we can't do anymore. We haven't got any more space, which is a real shame. Um, you know, we've both had to buy Kindles because we can't fit another book <laughs> on the bookshelves. Uh, it's really got to that stage. Yeah. But it doesn't stop us. He's quite a, a good shopper. Um, if he's let loose. So um, we've had to try and curtail ourselves. Sue believes that furnishing the home should also be an adventure. She takes inspiration from beautiful artefacts with a firm nod to the past, as well as a wink to the future. From paintings and textiles to objects and tapestries, the new to the incredibly fragile and the beautifully restored. For Sue, the charm lies in authenticity, an approach to interior design that ages well and better over time. 
I do love this ottoman with all the stitching. The colours of it are just so lovely. Kind yeah, of the, the, that pinks. is something I bought years ago. It, it looking a bit beaten up, but I think that's because I bought it and, or well, maybe twenty five years ago, and I put it on the roof rack, and as I was driving away, the um, the cord snapped and it. It fell off in oh, the middle of the road. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, it taught me a very uh, <laughs> salutary lesson about making sure that your your ropes are tight enough. But um, I didn't have anywhere for it at the time. I just knew I, I had to have it. Uh, those colours were very much me. Yeah, um, they're gorgeous. I quite like the beaten-upness. Yes, uh, and I think, you know, one day I might try and see if I can find someone to, to recreate it because it's one of the, the things I, I love doing. Uh, this is obviously made by someone at home. Mm. I, it was not made for commercial mm. purposes. It, it would be rather like someone's embroidery. I watched the other day the repair shop. I thought I ought to perhaps take it in there, <laughs> yeah, see lovely. what they could do with it. <laughs> And then lighting. I love that these lovely lamps. You've got sort of a pair, nice symmetry on the shelves behind you. I don't see many over the headlights. You've, you're very much about yes. ambience and creating pools of light. Some of my guests say that, you know, we've slightly underdone the lighting here. And I, I came down for breakfast the other day and they were making a point and they were all wearing miners' hats. <laughs> <laughs> saying that we needed to upgrade our, our, our voltage because it was all too dim. Um, that being said, in a bathroom and a kitchen, mm. I adore modern lighting. You know, I, I don't want to be working in the, the kitchen or, or indeed, in fact, I, I'm thinking of cutting them down, the voltage down in the bathroom because it's getting... Um, it's getting too painful to look in the mirror. <laughs> candlelight, <laughs> candlelight only. Candlelight only in the, in the bathroom. But, I, you know, that's where I love, you know, the super modern mix. Mm -hmm. uh, but lighting does make a vast difference. I think it's very important. And it is difficult in a house like this, which is so high yeah. up, you know, to get it right. You can make or break a, a picture, actually, by lighting it well. And so we did spend some time. On that, and that's another area where you'd be amazed at the expertise of lighting experts. Mm. Uh, you think you can do it yourself, but actually, the things that you can do these days are so incredibly clever, mm. um, and I find that fascinating. I wonder whether we should have a little walk around the main space. So it's pretty impressive when you walk in and see this incredible stone statue. Stone yeah. statue. It is a statue of St Eustace. And there is a story behind this. Um, when we moved here, I said to my husband, uh, I think we're grown up enough now to have a proper wooden dining room table. So would you go out and look for one? And he sets off. Because the one I've got now is chipboard, actually. It's the size I need, but it's not, nothing special underneath it. And about six hours later, he comes back with a van and four men carrying St Eustace. <laughs> and that is my dining room table. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so... Definitely uh, a collector. It's definitely, uh, he's definitely a collector. Um, I can't remember the history of it, but I love 
drama. Mm. Um, and in a room like this, you need the height mm-hmm. uh, of things. If everything's too low down, mm-hmm. then it starts to look rather minimal. Yeah. She's about four foot high, I would say, in the, in, yeah. seated on a horse. Yeah. And it's standing on this beautiful, you've, you've got a lovely uh, piece uh, Well, this of... is a, 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 an old kiln. Um, yeah, I, d- I did think I would have a tablecloth made for it, but actually we threw this kill him over mm. it and that is the perfect example of a sort of fadedness mm. that, that, that I love I find it very pleasing and you know when you use a carpet you get the weight and um, yeah so. it's lovely the way it gathers on the floor I feel very welcomed immediately because there's a little G&T uh, area for preparing drinks with a yes, cocktail the, shaker well, we have as you can see bar. A, a, a bar here which is no, we both love entertaining and it is very important to me when people come here, they feel very at home. I always think it's difficult for guests. They're at a disadvantage, really. They're not in their own environment mm. and you've got to make doubly sure that they feel really comfortable where they are. So it's open house always here and a lot of people I know come here time and time again and they probably know where the... Everything is more than my husband does, you know. (laughs) They'll go and get the ice and the tonics and things like that. So it's a very welcoming house, I think. I I wanted to ask you, Sue, about these portraits above your bar. There's a series of nine, I'm presuming all Elizabethan. They are Elizabethan, Um, yes. They're one of my favourites, actually. I really, really love them. Again, it's a lot of eyes. I love it, because you've got this guy down here who looks a bit of a... likes his booze. Exactly. <laughs> and then you've got the elegant lady in the middle. and Yeah, and then they all tell a story. Uh, and look at those amazing costumes. Actually, if you, if you really shine a torch on these, you can see them much, much more clearly. But they're not miniatures. But I, I think the impact mm. is greater because they are a set of nine. It's one of my favourites. They're gorgeous. set. And there's this incredible boat that is, model. That is the bane of my life. <laughs> it's one of Dusting? my husband's... Well, I'm not allowed to touch it. Um, and I'd rather not touch it. it. It has just come back from Greenwich, where it was restored. And it is one of my husband's most prized possessions. He absolutely adores it, but it is incredibly fragile. This end of the house is usually quite dirty because nobody <laughs> dares walk anywhere where near it because we're all terrified of, of breaking one of the bit of the rigging, etc. It's um, incredible. I can see all, it, all the little cannons and it's really interesting. It took two years to restore, so um, it yeah. was a, a labour of love. But again, that's another skill which you don't see very often. And then you've got your central... Ottoman, groaning under your books, under the weight of all your books. Yes. Oh, there's another story about this, actually. When we moved in, I, I didn't tell my husband what I'd done here. And I wasn't here when it was delivered. And he rang me up and said, Sue, there's something the size of a swimming pool in the middle of our <laughs> sitting room. And it's raspberry! <laughs> <laughs> and I, I turned around to him, um, not actually telling the truth, saying, oh, it can go back, don't worry, let's just live with it for the weekend. Of course, I had it specially made because it, so, it needed to be so big. Yeah. By the end of the weekend, he'd come around to it. So um, Just as well. Just as well. As I have always said, you know, 
It doesn't have to be something very valuable. You know, it can cost nothing. But if it's the right thing, it's the right thing. And that's what makes it your home. That's what makes it your home and that's what makes it a lifestyle, you know. So quite often I put things in the range that I have a file which says, you know, absolutely useless objects, um, (laughs) which uh, uh, is not a very good commercial term. But, but, you know, I think it's really important to have the odd, you know, I've got a, a, a tankard there full of, Porcupine quills. I mean, yeah, you can fantastic. say that they're useful, but they're just very decorative and beautiful. They are beautiful. Like, got a bit of torture shell feel about them. Exactly. Every item in Sue's home tells a story. While many prized possessions have an authentic patina or character that Sue loves, the tales behind them are still vivid despite the passing of time. Tales that are inspirational and woven in with more than the odd humorous anecdote. More often than not recounted to visiting guests with a welcoming G&T, of course. Okay, so now we're into this really lovely, relaxing, huge... Oh, just sitting back in this lovely, huge sofa. It's got really lovely plump cushions and looking at this incredible tapestry. I love tapestries and I guess I can see that you just really do love textiles. And this is just amazing. It's huge. It fills the whole of one wall. Tell me about that. Well, it was interesting. My husband particularly fond of these kind of Beauvais tapestries that tell a story. And this one is part of a, a set of eight, I think. And one came up for auction a long time ago. must be 30 years ago. It was in the south of France. So we flew down to the south of France to the auction, hoping that it might sort of slip in as a lot (laughs) and not be too showy Mm -hmm. and we might get away with not paying too much for it. In fact, it was the backdrop of the auction. (laughs) And it was also the third to last lot. Right. So we had to sit through the whole auction. And I got more and more... I I mean, you know, I got more and more worried and flustered and um and my husband said said to me just before it came up if you make one sound uh, <laughs> uh you were out of here uh, because i think he was terrified if he put his hand up i was going to grab it and say so he does the bidding it. he did the bidding yeah and we did get it and we were both so shocked afterwards i remember we were sat down for dinner and we couldn't speak it was something we both so badly wanted, but we were both in total shock. But actually, I have to say, we have never regretted it. It has been Hello. one of the great joys to sit and look at and admire. And there is, if you look at it, there is so much in it. And mm. can you imagine the work mm. done? I mean, you feel like you could step into it. That's what's so lovely because of where it's, the way it's hung. It's kind of at floor height at the bottom. For me, it's got the Chinese influences, which yeah. I do like. You can mm. see it's got blue and white china. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's got um, pagodas, all sorts of things that I absolutely love anyway. I just look at it and I think, how can the... I mean, yeah. I, I've got some tapestry that I started about 20 years ago, still not finished. And, I mean, the stitch, my stitches look like, you know, uh, I mean, compared to that is... And the shading and the detail is, is, 
is exquisite. Yes, I did one and it took 12 years. <laughs> but it actually, it <laughs> was only the getting it made me. into a cushion at the end that made, took the 12 years. But my partner laughed because it's literally just a long cushion that says kiss. And he said, it took the same length to do the Bayer tapestry. But you just did a cushion <laughs> that says love. Anyway, no, I'm with you. Admiring the artisanship is... Yeah. Um, is definitely it. I'd, I'd love to just touch on that, actually, because is very much about kind of bringing the East to, you know, a bit of an East and West yes, feel. I love that. In the early days, one of the things that was most challenging is however tempting it was to bring the East in its glory into the West. You had, we had to remember all the time how people live. I mean, it's, after 20 years my Indian friends finally stopped trying to sell me mesh curtains to keep the sun out. I mean, we just don't <laughs> use them in, in, in England. And, and so a lot of the beautiful things that we see in the East, I try and adapt them to things that we would use on an everyday basis. I mm. think one of the, the most rewarding things about what I do is actually I can make quite functional storage pieces into something that are quite beautiful. Yeah. And, and that, you know, in the early days before we started, I suppose, if you wanted a filing tray, you went to Ryman's and bought a plastic one. Now you can have a chagrin one, a rattan one. Mm. It can be something mm. beautiful. Uh, and that's always given me a great deal of pleasure. And I'm very envious of your spiral staircase because um, that is something I have always wanted. It doesn't really fit in my fun little London home, but that's presumably is all bespoke. I'll stop you right oh, there. Okay. Actually, that is out of a pack. <gasps> um, wow. It is bespoke in yes. the sense that our amazing carpenter treated it mm -hmm. as he did all the oak. When it arrived, it would have been a very orange colour. So he stripped it all back. So it, for us, the colour was absolutely vital. The wood underneath is, is lovely. And, and like everything good, it, the more you put your hands on the balustrade, you know, and the oil goes into it, the better mm -hmm. it becomes. So it's maturing very nicely. So then you have this lovely step down again. Level. Well, this is what I was saying before. You can see the levels were going down three lots of levels here, yeah. um, which is always quite complicated. So this is the engine room on the right, um, and and originally this there was I think three bedrooms here, um, all very small, and all very uh, prefabricated. They weren't with the main walls. We haven't mm. we haven't moved any of the main walls at all. So we made our bedroom and bathroom. Which, oh, um, this is a lovely palatial sort of five-star hotel bathroom. Is that travertine, the bath? It's marble. marble. Oh, no, stone. 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 Gorgeous. It took nine men to get it in here. Wow. It, it makes quite a statement, I must say. But it's it was lovely. just right for here. Uh, when, when, you know when you see something and you just mm. think, mm. And you, you can lie back and soak in the tub and then you've got these low windows that at the moment are looking out at lovely bluebells. Yes, we've had, we've had um, amazing snowdrops this year. They've just gone. And so we're now in 
bluebells and all the cow parsley will come up and then we'll we'll cut it down a bit mm. um but we do have the view over the the valley which is amazing i mean it's quite a famous valley this around here because of the roman connection i did give my husband um, a metal detector hoping we might find some roman <laughs> coins but i'm afraid all he uses it for is to find his arrows which he shoots and can't find <laughs> <laughs> It hasn't been put to good use yet. And another lovely tapestry. So you kind of look one way into the real kind of countryside and then this way into more countryside, but in a tapestry. Amazingly, uh, this fitted as well. And I rather like the idea of this being a bathroom that wasn't like a normal functional bathroom. It, it just sort of seemed to work. Yeah, makes it a lovely escape and it makes the acoustics lovely as well. No, it does. It, it really sort of softens it all a bit. So you sit out here in the mornings because of the sun, which I can see. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a sun trap yeah. um, in the mornings. And and, uh, and it's still shining now, so it's, it's um, lovely to have both sides to, to go out. We're very British. Any chance that we can eat outside... Yeah. We will take it, even if we've got, you know, hats and sweaters yeah. and things on. So, you know, we do that whenever we can. What do you like to cook when people come? You said you had lots of people here the other weekend. Have you got sort of favourite dishes that you always rustle up? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a bit worried that my close friends are getting a bit bored of my cooking. Because <laughs> um, I tend to, you know... Uh, and I try not to do this thing and experiment for the first time with something mm. when you've got people around because inevitably it will go wrong but I like seasonal food um, we've got wonderful local produce around here mm. uh, so I try and do as much as I can mm. close by and a G&T when people arrive <laughs> <laughs> that or, yeah, well yes anything they want really the only thing that off limits at the moment is, is my husband is in Morning for the vodka-based pims. I don't know if you've ever oh. heard of it. It's much less strong and dark than the number one mm. pims, and it was made for years. And they stopped making it last year. And um, my husband has tried everything <laughs> to get. I mean, he's even written and told them they're making a terrible mistake. So he used to offer pims. And now it's kept in the safe. We've got about four <sighs> bottles left, and that's it. <laughs> so anything but pims. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. We'll have to find him another cocktail that he can make. Um, Negronis or margaritas or something. Oh, he, he's not short of ones he likes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's been absolutely lovely coming here. It's a very special place. You must uh, be very pleased you found it. Yes, I, I'm fairly fatalistic about houses because I think if you don't find something you'll find something in the end but here I just knew uh, it was very powerful feeling mm. I knew I would live here and in fact when I first walked in there was the old housekeeper who'd worked here and uh, she she said I'm a white witch she didn't look like a white witch at all um and she said, I just want to, I've taken a lot of people around this house, but you're going to live here. Wow. So, 
There you wow. go. Well, you know, the Romans knew it was a good spot, so I think... Uh... There are ley lines here, which are very supposed oh. to be very... They cross. I will say that a lot of people come here and leave much calmer than they did when they arrived. For some reason. I don't think it's necessarily me. <laughs> thank you. Well, I'm very becalmed. It's been a joy. Well, thank you, Bethan. That's it for this episode seven of the House of Tales podcast by Oka. Be sure to subscribe to enjoy a first listen to episode eight, available from the 13th of July, as we bring series one to a close by exploring tales of generations. If you've missed any of the previous episodes, you can listen again to discover intimate, cosy conversations with inspirational guests and hear tales of their unique relationships with the home from tales of individuality with a fashion stylist and author, Bay Garnet, to tales of entertaining with influencer and writer, Paula Sutton, and tales of nourishing with the food writer and broadcaster, Rachel Koo. This episode was hosted by me, Bethan Ryder, and featured Oka co-founder, Sue Jones. Recording, production and audio post was by Talori with executive producers Mike Wachinski and Mark Baker. Music direction was by Andy Guthrie.